indeed. Dreams are for those who sleep. Life is for us to keep. And if you're wondering what the song is leading to, I want to make it uh, with you. So, the song whisperer, what is the song? Pat and Littleton joins us. Kia ora, Pat. Pat, are you there? We can't hear Pat. Pat, hello. Hello. How are you, Pat? Oh, good, thank you. Kia ora. Kia ora. We know what the song is now. What is it? I want to make it with you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Are you a big bread fan? Well, um, I guess I am in one way. Not that I would necessarily say I am, but like I just knew that. I just knew those words. They were just in my brain. And, um, you know, when I think back, I think we used to listen to um, bread was always on the radio. It so. was always on the radio. It never, was, yes. ne- never wasn't on. It was just every single moment you turn on uh, your commercial radio, there it was. There's something about it's It's the best in soft rock, isn't it, Pat? Oh, it's beautiful. It's just so romantic and just yeah, all fluffy. Oh, very romantic. Yes, it is indeed, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you, for, thank you, thank you for that. And it is, isn't it, Anadine? So romantic, very fluffy. And you know about the song because you're from Nelson, uh, and and they seem to play it all the time in Nelson. The song, don't they? You'd go into everyone's records and ah, oh, bread again. <laughs> Ooh. It's true Ooh, though, I isn't it? Crossing a line there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, bread, bread, bread. Always Nelson. I don't know. Anyway, I live there, so I know. Um, uh, Wallace, we're performing Aladdin at the end of this month. Where seventy to eighty year olds at Ryman Village, it's never too late to enjoy performing. We're going to get you on the radio, so watch this space. Uh, and by the way, thank you all so much for all those. I, I never knew. Uh, <laughs> We had so many bread fans. Um, so here's a bit of a fact. Founder David Gates described the name. A bread truck came along uh, right at the time we were trying to think of a name. We had been saying, how about bush or telephone pole? Ah, bread truck. <laughs> it began, yeah, great. It began with a B, like the Beatles. Bread also had a kind of universal appeal. It could be taken a number of ways. I don't know what that means, but anyway, uh, there you have it, Bread. Thanks for your company this afternoon. Now to this. Aucklanders are being asked to have their say about future options for crossing the Waitamata Harbour. The online survey announced yesterday, what do you want? Aucklanders, why don't you text me, do you want a tunnel? Do you want a bridge? Do you want to walk across it? Do you want a cycle? None of those, just driving your car. Minister of Transport Michael Wood says it will show how to make the best use of our existing infrastructure including the Auckland Harbour Bridge. So to discuss, we have from the Greater Auckland Transport blog, Matt Lowry. Welcome, Matt. Kia ora, Wallace. Is this a good way of doing it, going about it? Um, what was Wayne Brown saying? At last, Wellingtonians are listening to Aucklanders. Uh, I, I don't think it's, it's the best way, and, and that's because it's, it's quite simplistic. It's, you know, do you want to be able to catch a, a bus or a train across the harbour? Do you want to cycle across the harbour? And the reality is, you know, since since the late 1980s, there's been about six studies of of the various options for for doing this. There's plenty of information out there as to as to what the options are, and I think that they could have done a better job of saying, well, actually, here are the here are some of the 
the options and the costs that we know that exist and the, the benefits and, and downsides of each of them and, and how do we, you know, and, and asking some better questions around some of that information. But this is, is it not the Minister of Transport listening to what the people of Tamakauru want? You know, I mean, we've, I know we've been talked about, it feels like we've been talking about this forever, but there's lots of questions, uh, lots of um, information still to be discussed. Yeah, I just think that the seat, that the survey is quite it's quite high level, and it's, it's, it's very much just: do you want to be able to walk and walk and cycle across the harbour, or do you want right. to catch a bus across the harbour? And it's, it's not really going to be giving really deep insights into actually what do Aucklanders think? Should we be spending, you know, 50, up to fifteen billion dollars on a new crossing for for potentially to, to make congestion worse, or should we be looking at other options? And, and what are the you know we could we could be having a more complex conversation that. I think Aucklanders would be prepared to have if they had the facts laid out in front of them. Gosh, $15 billion. That's uh, one uh, ballpark figure that we heard banded around. Is it worth it, Matt? Is the money really worth it? What's the best option in your view? If you were to do the survey, um, what would you say? Um, I, I, well, I've done the survey, but I, I think the best option is to, first of all, focus on the, the missing mode. So let's get, focus on public transport and walking and cycling. Let's get a, a dedicated bridge for those across the harbour. Um, you know the reason for that is it gets them out of off the off the existing harbour or buses off the existing harbour bridge. It creates great views and, and tourism potential, and because people are you know, really good, really good quality crossing. No one wants to be stuck in a tunnel, really. Um, and then the then if at, in the future we still need another road crossing, we can then look at that. Uh, but the research so far that the Wakatangi have done has shown that that any new crossing with the road included actually makes congestion worse. It makes the city more clogged with cars, uh, increases emissions, and the, the only way to, to not do that is to then uh, put pricing on, on all the roads around Auckland to, to stop people from driving as much, in which case, why are we spending so much money to achieve that? All right, so uh, Matt here from the Greater Auckland Transport blog, he is pre- preferring a dedicated non-vehicle bridge. Sowan, you're an Aucklander. What do you want? Well, I, I think there isn't any kind of one thing that should exclude the opportunity of another. I think what what Matt has been talking about there is absolutely to be applauded. Um, That is a part of the solution. I think maximising all of the things that are currently available, communicating really clearly what this journey for Aucklanders and New Zealanders is going forward. What do we have to do to future-proof uh, say 30 years out. Um, all of these questions have been around for a while. I just feel like Aucklanders have not become satisfied with the responses to, well, the solutions that have been offered because there's a bit of a break or a disconnect both politically and or um, with the information uptake. So it lo- hopefully that didn't sound like gobbledygook. What I'm saying is, Wallace, uh, I, I don't think there is one solution here. I think future-proofing against whatever our transport needs look like or are envisaged for 30 years out needs to be decided pretty quickly and let's get on with it. Don't don't wait around like Wellington Wellingtonians did for Transmission Gully for decades. Let's get it done. All right, stay there, Matt. Let's bring uh, Anna in. Uh, any views on this, Anna? A bridge, a tunnel, something else? Well, it's it's really incredible. I was sitting on K Road outside Coco's Cantina on Friday oh, yeah. night and just abs- oh yeah, absolutely <laughs> amazed at the number of cyclists that were actually 
heading all over K Road because the cycleways are there. And I know that cycling uptake has really just kind of, you know, it's it's really starting as people can't afford um, the petrol prices and that's only going to increase. And when you see all these fantastic cycleways like out to the Tiaratu Peninsula, my brother cycles that every day to work now. And these rapid transport hubs are really what we need. And I think that people are only going to be demanding this kind of investment. And it's very similar to what we were talking about earlier with the electricity um, sector not investing back in renewables. It's like, you, come on, can we please just change this? Pro- do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? A case of so, um, uh, Anadine, of course, is outside Coco's Cantinas and K Road, um, uh, looking at all the cyclists going past. Is it a case of build it and they will come? Uh, at some stage, it'll bear fruit and uh, the, 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 the cycling tra- traffic has increased? I think absolutely, and the thing with with the harbour crossing is it's the, it's the tourism potential as well. It's not just people commuting; it's people just wanting to go and enjoy the view and look at the city from a different perspective. And you know, one of the best things about crossing the bridge on a bus today is the ability that you've got to actually be able to enjoy the view as you're crossing the bridge. And you know, it's a fantastic city that we have, and a fantastic setting, and yeah. it's great to be able to to look at that and, and enjoy it. Nice one, Matt. Thanks for being with us. That's Matt Lowry from the Greater Auckland Transport Blog. Still keen to hear what uh, you think about uh, what you'd like. As uh, speaking to speaking to the Aucklanders this afternoon, uh, do you want a bridge? Do you want a tunnel? Uh, a, a real mix here. An underwater tunnel for vehicles and a cable car for people and cyclists. I would love a cable car. I'm with that texter. I would die to cable car across that harbour. There you go. Uh, now uh, we talked earlier about. Uh, we talked about uh, school productions and uh, what production you were in. And I do believe now that we have someone who is uh, doing what is it? Actually, are you with me now? Hello, are you there? I am. What's your name? Joan. Joan. Where are you from, Joan? Um, from Batoni. The where? Lower Hutt. You're from Lower Hutt. And, okay, so um, what production are you being involved in? This is uh, our pantomime at our Ryman Village. It's called Aladdin, and it's going to be on at the end of the month. We're putting on six performances. Good grief. And we're all, you know, um, 70, 80-year-olds, so a lot of fun. Good heavens. And and it was being written by one of our... um, one of our residents, and uh, two directors are also residents, and they've been busy doing stage work and backdrops and all that. Are you loving it? Oh, yeah. This is the fourth one that that we've done over the years. Bundle of energy. Bundle of energy. I don't know how you find the energy to do this. and dancing. Pretty good. It's great, isn't it? And it's just it's just a reminder, Joan, that um, a production is not just for schools. It's not just for um, your Sour Mannings at the age of five being happy. Uh, you know, it's it's you yeah. can go. A, a production is part of life, isn't it? And, and the great thing, Wallace, uh, is a lot of these people have never been on stage before. Oh. And you know, to get them up there and uh, getting you know getting on, it's it's wonderful. But we've also done rehearsed readings. We've done um, um, last legs, the um, 
and also um, 12 Angry Men, oh. which was amazing. Yeah. So, I just love it. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful, Anna, to think that this is part of our future? You know, yeah. you're in your rhyme, you're in your rhyme's healthcare, and you're doing Pirates of Penzance or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> or Aladdin. Aladdin. <laughs> what part are you playing, Joan? Huh? Which part are you playing? Are you are you on stage? Are you? I, I, I am. I'm one of. Um, uh, Widow Twanky's dopey sons. Mm-hmm. She's got three of them. She's got Aladdin, and then she's got Wishy and Washy, and I'm Wishy. So we've got mullet, mullet um, hairdos, mullet wigs on, and our jeans mm-hmm. and our boots, and you know. <laughs> Keep <laughs> the dream alive, Joan. Rock and roll. And hey, thanks for being with us on the panel. It's a pleasure. Wonderful. Okay. There you go. That's uh, Joan there from Ryman's Healthcare uh, putting together a production of Aladdin. Uh, it's 14 away from five. The panel, RNZ National. Now, labour shortages seem to be dragging on and on. New data from Beyond Recruitment. 95% of employers find it harder to find suitable workers now compared to before the COVID-19 pandemic began. In 2020, just 27% of employers said it was hard to find suitable employees. With us is Executive General Manager at Beyond Recruitment, Ben Pearson. Ben, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Are the staff shortages the worst you've ever seen? They are. You were bang on with your statistics there. They are the worst they've ever seen uh, based on the survey that we did. Uh, it would appear that almost every single organisation in New Zealand is having problem with staff shortages and skill gaps at the moment. Mm. One reason we got you on, Ben, because it wasn't uh, just about the immigration bottleneck, quote-unquote, that people sort of uh, uh, talk about quite a bit. One problem that you're finding, and actually anecdotally, uh, I'm seeing with my friends and others around here and elsewhere, is that, hey, people are leaving. That's right. So the big OE is alive and well, and look, that's nothing new. Mm. I mean, it's part of a New Zealand way of life, isn't it? And back in normal times, the big OE wasn't a problem because the people that were leaving were university students taking a break, maybe a gap year before starting work. But now the people that are leaving are exactly the wrong people that we want to leave. They're people with four or five years good experience. They're really productive they're moving quickly through their career. They're making a really productive difference to the organisations that they work for. Uh, I call them the engine room you know, of the employment. Uh, so oh, dear. Um, and, and, yeah, so it's not just the number of people that are leaving. It's sort of the style of person that is leaving is the problem. And our Beyond Recruitment clients are telling us that on a daily basis. You have noticed this, Anna. Um, the engine room is leaving. These are, the, these, these are your colleagues. These are your people. Hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think in some ways it's not necessarily that they're leaving to go overseas. I mean, I'm sure that's playing in a part, but a lot of people I know who have been overseas recently have been finding it just how traumatic it actually is in terms of dealing with the pandemic on a much broader scale than we've had to here in New Zealand. But the thing I think a lot of people have been pushing back at is just the working conditions and the expectations of always being available and on and having your work email on your on your right. phone constantly, and just the, the lack of boundaries. And I, I really feel that, that people have um, ah. reassessed what their priorities are. Um, perhaps there's, you know, yes, money comes into it, but actually am I having a good work-life balance? And I think a lot of people that I know are making that 
choice and that decision based on a change in their values because they managed to slow down because of the pandemic. Is that right, Ben? I'd agree with that. Uh, The themes that are really coming through in terms of what employees are looking for, it's all about wellness. Wellness is a major uh, thing that people need support on. It's been a tough couple of years. It's not just physical wellness, but mental wellness as well. So organisations that can support on that are doing well. Uh, Flexibility, of course, is important. Everyone's got a certain expectation around flexibility. So if an organisation's got an an appropriate policy, uh, they'll be ahead of the game. Those that aren't are losing out on candidates. And personal development, career development, coaching, mentoring, that's another really sort of um, pillar of what candidates are looking for when they're looking for a new job. And those three things are, you know, absent in a lot of the the workplaces out there. Mm. Salwin, what's your take? Well, it's really good stuff from Anna and Ben there. Um, my, my question to both, because they're specialists in this space, aren't they? So um, would be, what are the solutions that we need to address mm. immediately? Four-day week. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> the four-day working week. I mean, that's, it's really interesting. The thing I hear time and time again now is um, people having a, a four-day working week and, and just pressing a bit of a pause button on the expectations. Plus, the other thing is um, work flexibility around being able to go and be based somewhere else around the country or even work from Australia for a couple of weeks. I have a friend uh, who works at Zero who's doing that at the moment, and that's a really huge part of their corporate culture and the expectation is becoming more normalised that um, people can actually pull back from um, these really high pressure, high pressure environments because we are always online and able to be contacted at any moment. Ben, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we've got several clients that are getting completely location agnostic, and they don't care whereabouts mm. in New Zealand you are, whether you're working from home or whether you can go to a local branch or whatever it may be. Um, and yeah, that seems to be yeah probably one of the number one criteria for, for today's workers. So um, interesting, lots of people moving to Christchurch too. That's another trend that we've noticed. Well, well, well. Um, yes, mm. yes. So um, yeah, I think we watch the space. And- I was in Christchurch, Ben. I was in Otatahi, um four days ago um, for the first time in many years, and I was amazed at the progress. I was thinking, I, I, I had a little e-scooter around the CBD, you know, that new uh, convention centre. I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah, well, you know, we're excited. We've just opened our first office down there because the demand's so high. Um, so, yeah, yeah watch the space on, uh, on, on Christchurch. Good on you. Very good. That's Ben Pearson, the uh, Executive General Manager at Beyond Recruitment. Um, location agnostic. There's a new term. I've never heard before, Anna. How about that? It's fun. catch yes. on. Yeah. Uh, eight to five, the panel, Anna Dean and Sowen Manning. Around 32 tonnes of rubbish is legally dumped each week in Auckland. The council have to deal with most of it, costing us more money. It's mostly bag rubbish, furniture, mattresses, building materials, car parts, that brown sofa dumped just outside your house on your berm. But what are you supposed to do with some of the trickier items? With us is Daniel Bartho, the CEO of the Beautification Trust, which runs Auckland's newest community recycling centre in Manarewa. Uh, Daniel, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. In fact, you're very new, aren't you? The, the one in Manarewa opened, what, just last week? 
Yes, yeah, and no, it was a great event and we opened and we've had um, really good success so far with lots of people bringing in their unwanted goods and um, really connecting in well with, with what we're doing in the community. There seems to be a bit of confusion or a bit of uh, a, a lack of understanding about just where we put those big items apart from the boom. Yeah, no, well, um, our recommendation would be certainly to pop along to one of the 11 community recycling centres across um, Auckland um, so we're the 11th of, of mm. those um, and be able to really connect in with the volunteers and the staff at those centres and be able to learn more about what you can do with some of those items so such as um, old um, old furniture or some, some scrap metal or unwanted electronic waste and be able to, to uh, make sure that it's uh, being diverted away from landfill and also not being um, an environmental um, um, impact for um, um, Having a, having a negative environmental impact um, as well. They do a great service, don't they, Anna Dean, the, the, your, the, your local uh, community recycling centre, you know, where to drop off that sofa or that old fridge. Mm. Oh, I absolutely yeah, yeah. love them. Yeah, I absolutely love them. And it's, it's funny, where I live in Golden Bay, the Takaka Resource Recovery Centre is actually referred to as the mall because people <laughs> go and spend so much time there um, getting their... <laughs> Their, um, their furniture, their building materials. Um, it's Fantastic. absolutely Yeah. Mm, stay there, Daniel uh, Sowen. Yeah, no, I just think these kind of solutions to the problems that are washing up all over the place are just fantastic. You know, it's wonderful to see. Um, from my own point of view, um, of going back about six months ago, I needed to get rid of a stove, uh, a dishwasher kind of thing, mm. and uh, something else. And I was thinking, I didn't know, you know, I was thinking, and someone, a friend from Christchurch says, we've we've got one of these down there, check out and see if you've got one up here. So I kind of thought, well, I haven't heard about this. But I looked, and there was one, went over Avondale Way, Wallace, you may even know it, I think it was on Portage Road. I know it. Bang, you know, it it was done. They took my old computer stuff that I didn't need anymore. I felt actually a million dollars because I wasn't contributing to the planet's problems. I was actually providing us, you know, toward a solution. I just love this kind of thing. I, I grew up in Takanini and I just think, yeah. you know, good on you guys for doing this and keeping it going. It's a solution to a problem that only about 18 months, two years ago, we were all moaning about. So yeah, how cool I, I, I know that I know that uh, station too. So one is a pretty uh, um, good one, fairly high tech too. Yeah. Um, but so uh, the, the the recycling at Kanta Manarewa and good support in the community there, Daniel. Yeah, no, we've had great support. Um, we've had lots of lots of people pop in in the first week, and um, we've ever, even had um, quite a few people pop in and say, "Hey, we want to volunteer." So um, the call oh. out is, is still there for anyone who wants to volunteer as part of our centre. And I'm also sure that um, the other community recycling centres across Auckland would appreciate volunteers as well. Hey, what happens to the items once they get to you? Do you re- recycle things on site, or what happens? Yeah, so it depends on what the item no. is. So, for example, if it's um, some electronic waste, um, we'll first of all test it and see if it's um, resellable um, in our shop, our reuse shop. Um, if it's uh, beyond um, being resold, then it will go to one of our trusted partners who who go through the right processes in terms of um, breaking down the item and, um, and recycling the components from it. And we've... Um, gone and visited each of these different partners that we work with to make sure um, everything's to the right standard as well. Nice, Daniel. Thank you very much for being on the panel. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. That is Daniel Bartho, the CEO of the Beautification Trust, which runs Auckland's newest uh, community recycling centre in Monorewa. Doesn't sound as flash as the mall, though, in Takaka. 
Anna. <laughs> Pretty cool. So the beautification, yeah, the beautification trust is a lovely, lovely name as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So have you been there? Have you been to that one? Antarctica? Me? Mm. Several times. Several times, but I also really highly rate Restore, which is in Nelson. Um, What's that, that one's fantastic. It's this a similar idea. It's a recycling centre. It, it was originally the uh, the dump, but they've extended. It's like a supermarket. There's a cafe there, and um, people hang out and they have a lovely time. It's incredibly well priced too. Um, they're keeping it affordable and accessible for everybody, and it's it's always a pleasure and a joy to go in there. Good on you. A uh, bit of uh, feedback here. Wallace, your dreams for a cable car across the harbour could come true. Frequent, cheap, zero emissions, improving technology. Why haven't we talked about a cable car across Watamata? Salwan? Well, I, you know, when when you guys were all talking about Wouldn't that, I was sitting here and a vision came to mind of some of those South American countries, Latin American countries yeah, that have got have the gondolas going. To, oh, look, yeah. and they are saying that this is fantastic. Now, it might not be the single answer to what's required in the years to come, but it's a part of it, isn't it? Might do some homework on that. Thank you, Sawan. All right, Sawan, many Anadine, thanks for being with us Monday afternoon. Lovely to have your company. I'm Wallace Chapman. Back tomorrow, 3.45, Checkpoint is next.